Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Taking your calls, uh, your recommendations for summer reading. I tell you, I, I get a kick out of the story of uh, the, this Venezuelan farmer, uh, Vicente Perez. Uh, he prays the rosary twice a day, but that's not all he does. Let me make it clear. He says, he, I mean, this is amazing. 113 years old. Work hard, rest on holidays, go to bed early, drink a glass of aguardiente, which apparently is a strong liquor, uh, or liqueur, excuse me, made from sugar cane. Drink it every day. Love God and always carry him in your heart. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a book in those recommendations, by the way. See, we can get the 113-year-old guy, oldest man in the world. Maybe the right warm book for summer reading lists. All right, one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll go to Kansas City, Missouri, and Jen. Good to have you with us. Thanks. Hi, thanks. Uh, my recommendation is a couple years old now, but it's still fantastic. Yeah. Um, God is not nice by Elric Glenner. <laughs> it's a great title, isn't it? I mean, just the title alone is intriguing. Yeah. yeah tell me more. Tell me more more about what you like about. It. It's a it's a very short read. It's uh, 160 pages or so, um, and very accessible. Um, he's a theologian uh, at, at uh, University of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, learned and, and well spoken and everything. But but it also a family man and down to earth, and and I think just about anybody could read it. Um, the it the central question is really, why in the world would anyone want to worship a god that doesn't care? Um, you know, it kind of addresses our modern relativism, self-centered. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you follow any rules or right. do any of the things that are prescribed, um, because God loves us all, and, and everybody goes to heaven. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it really just kind of uh, addresses that. You know, why why would you why would anyone want to worship a God that isn't actually God? Yeah, that's, and it's so important. To, be clear about that because there is this kind of fog out there that makes God so amorphous that he he is he adapts to any uh, person's situation. Uh, everybody can say, you know, I'm a good person. You know that. I look. God is a real person. He has definite likes and dislikes, um, and he's someone we need to get to know. It's it's not enough just to live in the service of a platitude that, uh, you know, God loves all of us. That's true, but it's not enough. We need to know him. Of course, the best place to point to, to know God, of course, is Christ himself, the incarnation of God. But that's, uh, so I'm glad to hear that that he's attacking that foggy notion, um, this kind of mush God that uh, we've got that serves all kinds of functions in American society. So, thanks. Uh, Jen, good to have you with me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I began, started reading that book. We did not end up interviewing him, and I can't remember why. It, the book was good. Uh, Scott uh, Hahn has a forward to it. Uh, I can remember that. All right. Let's continue with calls. one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's go um let's see here. We've got uh, how about Grace in Virginia? You're up, Grace. Maybe not. Hi Grace, are you with us? 
Okay. Good. Sorry. Let's talk. Um, this is Mr. Cresta, right? Yeah. Al's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, Mr. Al. Um, so I just wanted to call because my dad told me to call because I've called before. I called last Christmas recommending a book called The Inquisitor's Tale. Ah, uh, yes. And my dad was like, Yeah, I remember. Like, you should ask if the guy's read it yet. Yeah. Uh, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it, but I did not get <laughs> around to reading it. I actually had it. I have. <laughs> Near my, I had it on my bed stand. So my list is so long. <laughs> the books I should read. Yeah. Um, but then I have a second book to recommend, and I can't remember if I recommended this one last time as well. But okay. it's called The Wing Feather Saga okay. by Andrew Peterson. Tell me about it. So it's about these three children in the mythical land of Ariar, and they are just kind of living a normal life, but they're always in fear because their land is being like, oh, what's the word when someone's like forcefully um, like in your land? Like, they're, they're, uh, I mean, when the government does it, we call it uh, the power of eminent domain. Uh, yeah, but, that's, that's the word. Okay. That's what it means. Okay. By lizard people called, oh, I can't, uh, things, that's it. And they're the fangs are looking for the jewels of Annie area. I I totally botched that, but it's really good, and it's got four <laughs> books. And it like I have a lot of siblings, and the way that Andrew Peterson wrote the sibling dynamics, yeah, was like perfect. Really, like as a lot of times when I read books between siblings, I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem really realistic. But the way he wrote it was like perfect. The way the brothers interact and the yeah. way they interact with their younger sister. And it's really good because it focuses on faith because in the book they don't say God because it's a fantasy world, but there's the creator. Okay. And it's very important. And you don't really realize it's not really into the last book that, like, it really kind of, like, put, like, kind of a gut punch that, like, this is, like, it teaches you and it helps me. Like, like I, it's so good. I don't even know how to explain it without spoiling it because i don't want to spoil it for anyone because it's such a good series because it like you build up with these characters and you grow with them and you can i can recognize myself in them yeah no that sounds fantastic and uh, the realism of the relationships between the siblings that's great to hear uh so this is a this is a um uh, multiple it's, it's a series was it a four-part mm-hmm, series it's a series Okay. It's a four-part series. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. It's called the Wing Feather Saga, mm-hmm. and the uh, first one is called On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness. All right. All right. Uh, this is new. And it's it's actually becoming um, a TV show. It's um, Angel Studios, who does the TV show The Chosen. Yeah. Is making it into an animated TV series. That is good to know. Do you have any idea when it'll be available for people to see? I think they said it was coming the winter to spring of 2022 to 2023. Okay, good, good. Well, this is a great suggestion again, and uh, uh, you know, I will, uh, I will, uh, I, I'll, I can promise you, I can promise you, I will buy it, <laughs> and maybe I'll get around to reading it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I have a long to be read. Okay. Series. So many people are like, you have to read this. Right. Like, I right. Will. Yeah. I love it too. Okay. Hey, Grace, thanks. Okay. No problem. Thank you so much, Mr. Cresta. Uh, Wing Feather, Andrew Peterson, Wing Feather Saga. 
it sounds sounds fantastic. And, and it's interesting that it's got the attention of those who produce the chosen too. So they've done a good uh, man. They've had a tough job with that series, and it has been. Um, it really has just grabbed the attention of so many. I think it's very well done. Uh, you know, any series that uh, puts brings together the life of, of Jesus, there are going to be some elements here and there that, you know, say, oh, I don't know if that's it. But uh, overall, The Chosen has just edified so many people. All right, here, let's continue here. Uh, we've got, um, let's go to Mary in Georgia right now. Mary, good to have you with me. Hi, Mary, you're up. Hi. Yes, I wanted to um, recommend a book called The Scandal of Holiness by um, Jessica Hooten Wilson. Um, I actually heard about it on an EWTN program. Yeah. I, I think it was um, uh, The Mass Appeal. I think that was the program that I heard about it, but I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, it's, it's, it's a lot about what you're exactly what you're talking about. It's a lot about um, like literature and how that um, can lead you to holiness and, and saints and, um, you know, it kind of covers all of the, the big ones like Lewis and Chesterton and yeah. um, Flannery O'Connor. But yeah, it's very, very worthwhile reading. And, and I love how she starts the book um, and talks about um, kind of counterculturally how um, God is the author. He already has so many things set. He set your birthplace. He, he talks about how you know, she talks about how this great adventure, you know, that so many things in, in your story have been set by God. And um, that's just a great kind of introduction to the um, book. So Very good. So this is this is a look at uh, literature, Greek uh, authors, and uh, how they uh, portray uh, holiness or... Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say it's really, it's, it's definitely looking at the, the um, major authors, but um, she's trying to, like, cultivate the imagination. Yeah. You know, she talks about how, like, reading good literature cultivates the imagination yep. and sort of, um, you know, one in one of the chapters it talks about how, um, you, you know, no, none of the readers ever see where the story is going. Yeah. And and if you allow your imagination to be cultivated, you know, God will do the same thing, you know, kind of like where is the story going to go? Yes. Um, yes. So that's, it's, yeah, like cultivating unexpected by reading literature is kind of, I would say, a good way to. Yeah. Well, you get a feel for it that the, again, you, you, you want to, um, the, the value of, of good liter- literature is, as you just pointed out, it cultivates uh, one's imagination so that you not only uh, hear a command, um, be holy, but you actually have a picture of a holy person or you have a sense of what it means to be holy. And um, I think novels really help us in that respect. And so I'm going to get this myself and take a look at it. It sounds really good. So yes, and the, and the other one I was gonna I also mentioned um, was um, a William Barr's book, relatively yeah. new, um, one damn thing after another. It's it's a very I was really surprised at how much I loved this book. Yeah, so that, that's really it's one of the ones I, I it's on my list that I recommended this year. Uh, okay, one okay, damn okay. thing okay. after another. Yeah, I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was yeah, great. Really, really great. Yeah, and yep. to yep. recommend yep. it. Uh, two people. Um, I think he, you know he has a very unusual, interesting history. 
And, of course, uh, he, he does spend a lot of time talking about his time in the Trump administration and uh, in the aftermath of the uh, 2020 election. So you get, you get really an insider's view of what's going yeah, on. So. And, and, and I thought he did a great job of talking I mean, about how his Catholic faith kind of really shaped yep. so much of his viewpoints. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a good show. You know, he has a brother, Stephen who is the uh, fellow who started the Society of Catholic Scientists. Mm. I just thought of that today, because they, they, they have similar f- facial features. And I, was, <laughs> and I was talking to my producer this morning, and I said, you know, we were c- drawing up lists of people we need to call, and Stephen Barr was on one of these lists that I have to call. And I said, you know, I wonder if he's Bill Barr's brother. And sure enough, we went and looked it up, and he is. So <laughs> there Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the call. Thank you. And we'll talk again, Mary. one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Okay. Um I, I've asked you I'll lay out a few of these two. We've only have about a minute, ten seconds in this segment. But let me uh, mention uh Ed Stetzer's book, Christians in the Age of Outrage, How to Bring Our Best When the World is at its worst, I think is an incredibly helpful book. Christians in the Age of Outrage. Outrage, How to Bring Our Best When the World is at Its Worst. I love Sam Gregg's book, Reason, Faith, and the Struggle for Western Civilization. I love it because it's you know, sometimes these books get awfully, these kind of books get just endless. They're so long and uh, involved. But Sam has done a wonderful job of dealing with the struggle for Western civilization, focusing in, again, on reason and faith. And that is one of the great uh, syntheses of Western civilization, how reason and faith cooperate together. And, of course, for Catholics, that's part of our fundamental spirituality. I'm Al Crestor. We're going to come back on the other side and continue taking your calls. one 573 7825 What would you like to recommend to listeners for summer reading? Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta taking your calls as you recommend edifying books for people to read this summer. one 573 7825 We'll go to Liz in Fenton, Michigan, who's been waiting a while. Hi, Liz. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I really cool. appreciate your, your show. Thank uh, you. Faithful listener, and also, <laughs> truth be told, um, one of most many of the books um, I read and love are based on uh, all the great authors you get, uh, um, you know, professors and so forth. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Oh yeah. So the first one on my list is "Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies" love by it. Marilyn McIntyre. Yes. Yes, and so what's so fu- profound about this is my daughter, who's 32, our daughter, I should say who's 32, um, and uh, she's a writer, and um, not necessarily, you know, reading, you know, not even going to go there. She She's a believer, but still not going to church all yeah. the time. But mm-hmm. anyway, she was really moved by this book. She thought it was very profound. Good. I, and so the second... Go it, ahead. It is, it, it's beautifully written, too. I mean, uh, Marilyn, uh, she's also a good interview, um, and I just think... Uh, this is one of those books that it reads beautifully. 
it has great insight and I think speaks to Christians who take yes. words seriously and you know because we're yes. we're children of the word you might say and yes. we're living in a when she says uh, caring for words in a culture of lies yeah that's our problem we, we care yes. for words and we're living in a place uh, a world in which lies are just constant exaggerations um yes. people using language not to speak truth but to acquire uh so it doesn't really matter the truth value of a statement yeah. as long as it gets you what you want. Oh, yeah, it drives you nuts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you had another one. It's, yeah, and the last one is coming apart by yeah. Charles Murray. Yes, I was surprised at how much that book affect. I mean, affected me in a positive way. Yep. I believe a sociologist. Yeah, yeah. And Charles, Mur- ex- go ahead. Yeah, Char- Charles, no, Charles Murray has been around a while. He. He had a book in the 80s, which was a blockbuster uh, for the emerging conservatism of the Reagan years. Uh, Okay. And I think it was something like um, Good Intentions. And I'll remember uh, remember for too long. But it was a look at the failed uh, domestic social policies of the great society. Mm. And uh, Mm -hmm. that was an incredibly important book. He's... I don't know what he where he's at now. I know his political philosophy was libertarian, but the book that mm-hmm. you're referring to, uh, I talked mm-hmm. with him about that, and uh, he wanted to. Uh, it's it's, a, it's it's an eye-opening book, and it, it it shows that, and he focuses just on white America too. That's another yes. thing too. So yep. there's, you don't yep. have, you don't nobody can look at this and say well you're not properly differentiating you know no. ra- racial background so no. it's just he deals yeah. with white america alone and yeah. he shows that upper in america has this widely divergent upper class and lower yeah. class they're living yeah. in entirely different worlds yeah. wow and it's it's it was, pretty troubling yeah oh my gosh it was an eye opener and the last one I'm, i always say one uh, the Dublin Karl Marx, Paul Kinker, and yeah. I'll let you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell Paul. He'll yeah. he'll love to know you loved it. Okay. I loved it. All right. Thanks, Okay, Sam. please. Thanks. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's one eight seven seven. Let's go to Cindy in Dexter, Michigan. Hi, Cindy. Oh, hi, Al. Hi. So, so happy to talk to you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, likewise. And, uh, I do enjoy this show so much. <laughs> Thank I, I you. It every day. Well, the books I would love to recommend, excuse me, <clears throat> the first one is by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. It's called Holy Women. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> and um, it, first of all, I mean, you think, oh, my goodness, Pope Benedict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really quite an easy read, and he it's a series of um, general audiences he gave back in 2010 and 11, and he highlights um, 17 different women who were very important within the church, and several of them are saints, but there's a few um, non-saints in here, and there's a lot you'll no, and a few that you don't. But I just thought it was just a really, I needed this book for a course I was taking. Okay. And um, I, I was very touched by it because it really helped point out, and, and through um, Pope Benedict, the importance of these women and yeah. what they contributed to the church. Yeah. They are um, often not well known. 
um, as they should be. I mean, people know Catherine of Siena, you know, they, and Catherine of Genoa, Joan of Arc, uh, Teresa of Avila, but not many people know about Blessed Angelo, Angela of Foligno, no, no. or, or, or um, the one that I'm curious about, because I've got a collection of uh, her writings as part of a series called Classics of Western Spirituality, and that St. Matilda of uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and I've seen that name, but I don't know anything about her. So, yeah, right, right. Well, you'll have to read the book. <laughs> yes, I will. It gives me a yeah, good summary. It is, and it's just it's like 143 pages, and so it's just a very nice read. Um, because yeah, there's this the one I learned was Saint Juliana of Corn Yeah, um, who was responsible for kind of pursuing the Feast of Corpus Christi to get huh. that established. I didn't know that. And it's like, well, I, I didn't either. I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, just, I would recommend this to people just um, to sit down and learn um, just about these 17 amazing women that contributed so much to our faith. Very and, good. Uh, yeah. So it's very... Very good. Now, for the for a little bit different types of books, um, I'm a gardener, and so it's these two are written by the same author, Margaret Rose Reilly, and she is a gardener, master gardener um, at, at St. Francis in DeWitt, the retreat center. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And her first one is called A Catholic Gardener's Spiritual Almanac, and it's just really a lovely book, and it goes through um, the year. And every month um, she talks about things to do in the garden or gardening. But she also talks about feasts, you know, what feasts and what saints um, are particular for that month. Yeah. And traditions, um, traditions, you know, in that month. And, and so it's it's really just a, a neat book for, for people that do garden or even if you don't. Um, and just to kind of go through there, because she has some biblical reflections and just, um, the, you know, Archangel Gardens. I mean, she just has a little bit of everything yeah. in here, but it's it's an excellent book for people that enjoy gardening. Now, um, my wife my wife is a wonderful gardener, and uh, she was a horticulture major at Michigan State. That's when we met. And uh, oh. I actually, we <laughs> one of the reasons we loved each other uh, from the start is because of both music which is an interesting story about that. But also because when I first met her, she had just come from working in the uh, botanical gardens at Michigan State. She had dirt under her fingernails, and she was sweating, working out in the working outside. And um, but I, you know, I had managed. A lot of people don't know this, but for a while, I had managed a, a flower shop. And I and I made I did floral designs, so 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 I was interested. In, you know, obviously I was interested in, in uh, plant life and the flowers and gardens. And so yeah, we spent a lot of time walking the both the horticulture gardens and the botanical gardens at Michigan State University. And she she does a great job with our you know with our home now. So, but I'll oh, make wonderful. sure she looks at these. I don't know if she knows about them. Yeah, she might. Well, yeah, because this gal um, went to Michigan State, and she teaches workshops there, so she might be familiar with yeah. her at some point. But she also wrote another book. She's written a few, written a few um, but this other one I really like. It's called A Garden of Visible Prayer, mm. and it's creating a personal sacred space one step at a time. Oh, and Sally will love this. So, 
Um, yeah, and so she does for for people. You don't have to be a you can be a beginning gardener, but she does go step by step on how to like assess a site and that kind of thing. Um, but just you know, different plants and different things in Catholic traditions and prayer gardens. So it's really a book on how obviously to build a beautiful prayer garden. Um, some you know in your home or yeah. at the church or someplace, and and she does in this book and then the other book she does rec- have plant recommendations. Like I built a Marian garden and the different plants and and their meaning oh. to the Blessed Mother. Yeah, and so that that is a good one. And so those are two books that you know you can build yourself a beautiful sacred space to read all I these. I love books. that. Yeah. That we're about. <laughs> Excellent. That's again one 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 more way of redeeming creation here. So, well, right, thank you. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you for the show. It's wonderful. Thanks, Cindy. Our yeah. number again is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. And uh, taking a look here, we've got Dennis in Iowa who's been waiting a while. You're up, Dennis. Hello. Hi, Dennis. How? Thanks for letting me on. Sure. Good to um, have you. I'm recommending uh, She Is Mine by Stephanie Fast. It's an autobiography. Um, she's She was an orphan from Korea. Her father was an American soldier, mother a Korean, and she tells her story where she was abandoned as a small child and how she survived in kind of a wild Korea. And, um, you know, and... Yeah. She, and you know, it has a happy ending, of course, because she tells her own story. Yeah, she um, she is on TV, radio. She speaks at different venues. Um, okay, so she's, she's... A great advocate for sanctity of life, uh, orphans, adoptees. I'll have to get. I don't think I know. You know, the name the name is familiar. The name is familiar to me, but I can't place her. So this will give me a chance uh, to meet somebody new. And uh, I'll, I'll get the book. Yeah, and it's a great we'll, book. It's hard to some, put down. Yeah. Uh, it's about a little over 200 pages. Okay. It, I am not an absolute great book reader. It was hard for me to put it down. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll, get, we'll get a hold of it. The other book you talked about was, uh, you know, um, Joan of Arc. Yeah. By Mark Twain. And I would rubber stamp that all day long. Yeah. Okay. The one thing I'd say about it, the reader kind of has to be aware of the fact that he adds his own flower in the middle of the truth. Okay. So the truth is in that book, but you've got to know that there are some um, different characters that, um, you know, he didn't have, like, absolute truth, which it's easy to figure out once you kept on to that. Okay, good to know. And the last thing I wanted to say was, I'm a chaplain hospital. I fell off my chair when I heard what that chaplain said to you about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew people would recognize that problem because it happens. But hey, we'll talk again, Dennis. Thanks. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Number is one 573 7825 We want to try to make sure we get everybody in. So I'm going to move pretty quickly here. But let's go to Kevin in western New York. Good to have you, Kevin. Thank you, Al. 
thank you for taking the call. Sure. Quickly, I, I have three books that have been pivotal to me in my uh, coming back to the faith. And yeah. by the way, these were introduced by you <laughs> and Good. others in Catholic Radio, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Um, they, they are rescued by Father John Ricardo. Yep. Uh, linking he, me up with the basics. <laughs> it is It is a great presentation. Uh, he has just uh, recorded a video series called The Rescue Project, and that's going to be available, I think, in the fall. I know he's going to be joining me uh, in August. We're going to be speaking on a regular basis uh, to help uh, orient people to the rescue project. So, uh, but that that the book that you have is really the core of the rescue project. So that's an outstanding book, and I agree with you. It's really focused on the basics of the gospel. Well, I'm going to have to buy another copy. I gave mine to my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear that. And, uh, the next book is The Fourth Cup by Dr. Scott Hahn. Yeah, yeah, and, very good. And I, I never realized how much uh, the Lord thought things out before his life and specifically his passion. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so deep. And speaking of deep, Jesus of Nazareth, um, the one that, uh, book two, which was actually, I think, the first book that came out from Pope Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. I'm reading that right now, and there is more underlined in there than than not underlined. <laughs> it is an incredible book. It is in a class by itself because it's a. De- I mean, it, it, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, is probably the greatest biblical theologian to ever sit on the, the chair of St. Peter. And so he's thoroughly immersed in the scriptures as he's going through the life of Jesus. He's also writing this on his knees. There's, it breathes a spirit of devotion. So you have this wonderful combination of a, a, biblical, a man who is truly a biblical scholar, um, who knows all the critical and exegetical issues involved, but who's writing it with extraordinary devotion to Christ. And then, of course, the third thing is he's writing it in continuity with the interpretive history of the church. I mean, it's, it is. I can remember when it came out. I, I couldn't put it down. But, yeah, I'm with you. Jesus of Nazareth by Joseph Ratzinger. And, and thank you again for your program. You've done more than anybody, more than almost anybody else, to bring me home. Well, Kevin, it's a great encouragement to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to, um, let's see, Julie in uh, Brighton, Michigan. And it's good to have you, Julie. Thank you. Oh, hi. Um, I'm calling about a series of books by Owen Francis Dudley, Mm -hmm. and it's on the problems of human happiness. They were written in the 30s and 40s, but reprinted in 2002. And the first one is, Will Men Be Like Gods? The Slanders of Religion. The Shadow on the Earth, The Slanders of God. The Masterful Monk, A Present Attack Upon Man and His Moral Nature. And most of them are in novel form, Yeah, very easy reading, but very deep. And it's like they could be written for today, obviously. Yeah, so. he's he's an enormously influential figure that is not very well known today. Right, right. Um, there, there, there's a book of uh, convert stories called Road to Damascus. Oh. And uh, that's where I first came across his name, because he's oh. mentioned there— uh, and I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with his own work. I, I should probably get familiar with it because of how, I mean, he died around in the early 50s, I think. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but Owen Francis Dudley, a very good recommendation, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure I get familiar with him, too. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for the program. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. All right. Yeah. Have a blessed reading summer. Bye-bye. And to Anne in Fort Wayne, Indiana, good to have you with us, Anne. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. What can we talk about? Uh, yes, um, I wanted to recommend a book by Dr. Brent Petrie. It's been out since 2011. Yep. It's called Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Oh, yeah. That's a Grand Slam book. <laughs> yes. Oh, but that's he, good. He he goes on to, to explain that the uh, the Eucharist is oh so much more than the manna that the Israelites got in the desert uh, on a daily basis, and now we can receive the Eucharist on a daily basis as our uh, our as we say in the Our Father, uh, our daily bread, yep. uh, which is uh, to help uh, Christify us as we receive it and, and spread the love of Jesus. Yeah, very well said, by the way. And that um, his development of uh, the Lord's Prayer and give us this day our daily bread, our, our, our what, what's the phrase he uses, super, uh, super essential bread or something like that he uses there, um, yes. is is uh, that that's not many, not nearly as many people know about that aspect of the Lord's Prayer as they sh- as should. And this is a good place to find out about it, uh, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, because as you just pointed out, he puts it in continuity with the manna in the wilderness, and again, um, which is a type, which is a type of the Eucharist. But uh, what happens is the fulfillment of the type is always more glorious and more effective than the original. So the Eucharist is much more glorious, much more effective in changing our lives than the manna was for the Israelites, and we should have that appreciation. And and it really is, as you point out, it's a real argument for daily Eucharist. Yes, yes, and the benefits of going back to church and to receive the Eucharist. Amen, amen. And thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We just had your friends down there from Fort Wayne, uh, Redeemer Radio, came by the other day and had a good time with them. It was nice having them here. The that, number, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, the number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. 573 And um, let's see, we've got about seven minutes here. Let's see if we can move quickly. Um, let's go to uh, Kathleen in Annapolis, Maryland. Kathleen, good to have you with me. Kathleen, you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. I'm okay. here. Um, okay, so I was just going to, and I'm not sure, these books I think have been around for a while. It's a series of books by um, um, Father Jacob Restrick, and they're called Sister Mary oh. Baruch. Yeah, and okay. I don't know. And anyhow, um, it's about a Jewish girl and her roots and she becomes Catholic and she ends up entering a cloistered monastery. And I think, I think there's four in the series and it's just an excellent read. Um, It just takes you to a place of wanting to serve the Lord through structured prayer and silence. Yeah. Recognize how much, you know, you desire to belong to God alone and how he's calling all of us. And it's just a rich, rich, um, and it's very entertaining, too, as well, because, you know, um, yeah, the, the the setting is in New York. Um, oh. So there's a, there's a lot of authentic. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, I, I'm not familiar with this series. Um, this is something I'm going to have to get to, to know. 
Um, so it's called Sister Mary Baruch mm-hmm. by Father Jacob Restrick. And, Correct. Okay. Well, I will yeah. definitely uh, take a look at that. And now, he is he still alive? I am not sure. I'm not sure. My mother actually, a friend of hers, handed her a couple of the books, and she handed them to me. And they're just hard to put down. I've got to yeah. order. My daughter ordered a couple more for my mom, and I, she says there's another one out there, but I can't find it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, All right. But, well, thanks. But uh, I think, I think the, yeah, everybody will enjoy it. Enjoy those. Yeah. Excellent. Definitely. Thanks, Kathleen. Okay. Thank you. Let's okay. go to Portland, Maine, and. Uh, is it uh, is it Guido there? Is that Guido or Guido? Yes, uh, is Guido. It Guido, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Hi, Al. Hi. What can we I, talk about? I enjoy your program so very much, and um, it's just a delight to speak to you. And the book I want to recommend is The Lord by Romano Guardini. <laughs> yes, yes. And I I keep it by my bedside along with the uh, with the Bible. And I wouldn't say that I read the book. I've read the book probably over a dozen times. Yeah. But I don't start from the beginning. I'll pick it up anywhere. Yes. Yes. It's just a wonderful book. It is. And I read. I first came across this. Uh, it was a recommendation of uh, Tom Howard, uh, who many of you know because of his books. But he recommended it back in 1983 to me. It was when I first came across it. And uh, I, it's it's been in my uh, reading area all the time. I do the same thing. I pick it up. In fact, I just got it on audio book, too, so I can listen oh. to it. And I just started listening to portions of it last week. So, yes, I think this is this is a classic. And and by the way, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger loved Romano Guardini. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I thought he was Italian, but the book was translated from from German. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I actually don't know his uh, ethnic background, um, but thanks for the call. And I well, thank you, Al, for yeah. your, all you do. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, the great, great book. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, Jay in Omaha. Good to have you with me, Jay. Thanks. Hey, Jay, you with me? Yes, I am. All right. What can we talk about? Um, a book titled Worshipping a Hidden God by Archbishop Luis Martinez. Okay. You know, I, this is interesting. I, I'm actually, th- all the years we've done this, uh, this is actually a good sign. I'm hearing about uh, books I don't, a lot of books I don't know about. Uh, and this is another one of those. Let me just see. All right. All right. Archbishop Martinez died in 1956, I believe. Uh-huh. Well, I will make sure we get familiar with him. Worshipping the Hidden God. Do you know off the top of your head who publishes it? Um, Sophia Press okay. uh, published this uh, version of it uh, in 2014, I believe. Very good. Very good. We'll get our hands on it. And uh, sometimes the publishers will actually provide somebody to interview on the book when the author is deceased. So we'll see if Sophia will do that for us. I know Ignatius does that for us. Jay, thanks. Yeah, maybe the translator. Yeah, that's always a good choice. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. And let's continue here with Trish in Washington. Good to have you, Trish. Hi. Hi. Um, I've got you on speakerphone. Is that all right? So far, so good. Yeah. 
Okay, you can hear me. I'm sitting in a parking lot, so yep. So far, <laughs> I've been so good. Hanging on for a long time. Yep. Uh, the the book that I want to recommend, I I just recently um, purchased it for my uh, grandson who was receiving his uh, confirmation, and he chose for his uh, his saint um, uh, 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 Carlo uh, Acutis, yes. and um, so the book is uh, the youngest millennial saint um, uh, uh, Carlo Acutis. I don't. I'm sitting in a parking lot, so I don't have the author. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm. I'm. It's recent, so um, I think I it's. Think there's. This is going to be used a lot in the next few years because I believe this is recommended uh, in preparation for the Eucharistic Congress in a few years. So I think this is oh, one yes, of the books and, being and recommended. I have really been following all of that in our Sunday Visitor. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but, but what I wanted to say is that here this young man is 15, and what he did in 15 years, you know, I'm, I'm five times older than that. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it just, it, it, it pressed a button and, and it sort of reset me. Yeah. Um, you know, on fire for the Eucharist. Um, I have never understood... Um, you know, um, people that can leave the church, you know, uh, for one reason yeah. or the other, but, you know, to leave the Eucharist, um, yeah, you know, that's... I, I don't get it, I don't understand it. You're and losing, I, yeah, I your lifeline. <laughs> Thanks, Trish.